Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to the very first episode of my brand new podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. So first of all, I'd like to welcome all of you to my brand new podcast, specifically on 60s music, the Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and I am very excited and thrilled to be doing this podcast because 60s music has always been and always will be a very strong passion of mine. And I've always wanted to utilize a platform in which I can share my knowledge and expertise and passion about 60s music with people that are just as passionate and interested in it as I am. And I also hope to educate a younger generation, people around my age, and I'm 22, about this music and turn them on to music they may have never heard before if it hadn't been for me. Because it sucks because a lot of people my age aren't really super familiar with music from the 60s. And heck, I even know people my age that aren't really super familiar with music from back then. And plus, when I go see a lot of these oldies artists perform right now, 90% of the people in the audience are not people my age, but people my parents' age. And by the way, both of my parents are baby boomers. And I'm definitely like to change that and have more young people go to these shows. And I want to be that one young guy at 22 to bring this music back into today's world and educate people my age on it so that way more people my age are familiar with this era of music outside of the usual suspects like the Beatles and the Stones and Jimi Hendrix and the Beach Boys. And also keep this music alive, because sooner or later, a lot of these artists from the 60s that were making music back then, and heck, even the people that were alive listening to music back then are going to pass away. At least the ones that are still alive to this day. And someone young has to keep this music alive as more and more years go by and more and more people forget about it and move on to other music, along after all the baby boomers and all the people that were making music back then are all gone. And I also want to prove to people that just because you were born... After 1990, that doesn't mean you can't like or love 60s music because I'm proof that a young kid born in the 90s, aka millennial, can love 60s music and you don't have to be a baby boomer to love it or at least appreciate it even if you don't love it. But before I do that, I would also take a few, like to take a few minutes to introduce myself so that way you guys know who I am and what I'm all about. Because you probably discovered this podcast in iTunes or one of those Apple podcast apps and are probably wondering, so who is this Sam Williams guy? Well, I'm going to explain that to you in just a few moments. And as a quick little FYI, I've actually never done a podcast before in my life, so I'm brand new to this podcasting world. So I'm still in the middle of trying to figure a few things out for it, but as of right now, I feel like I have most of the bases I need to cover covered for it. But if you feel like I'm missing anything from the whole presentation of this podcast through iTunes, let me know. My name is Sam Williams, I am a 22-year-old songwriter-producer that grew up in Los Angeles, California, and I graduated from Musicians Institute in Hollywood, and has been featuring Music Connection four times, and I have a very strong passion for 60s music, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, you're 22 years old, you're too young to have a strong passion for 60s music, well let me just explain to you as to why I love this music so much. Let me just tell you that whenever I hear a song from the 60s and I feel something in I don't really feel in a lot of other modern day top 40 music in today's world and a lot of times it doesn't necessarily have to deal with the lyrics or the chords or the melody or if the lyrics make any sense or not but it just simply has to do with the fact that I feel something within the music because I can picture other people listening to lyrics for these songs 
and then being able to connect with and understand the lyrics for these songs. And now certain songs from the 60s explore such human feelings and emotions that people still feel to this day such as regret and longing and frustration and success and failure. And I'm really confident that you will fall in love with this music just as much as I did when I first got exposed to it when I was around 9 or 10 years old. And I must say that I still have a very strong passion for this music to this day at 22, which is a bold statement to make because many people go through different phases of music through their lives. And it's very rare to meet somebody that's still very passionate about the music they're into when they were kids. And the more reason as to why I love this music so much is because there's a lot of organic and real instruments in this music. And I personally feel like real instruments is an element that is missing in a lot of modern day top 40 music you hear on the radio right now in 2018. And if you do decide to check out the music I talk about in this podcast, you'll discover that this music really still sounds amazing to this day in 2018, even though it is well over 50 years old. And these songwriters knew how to write songs that were lyrically about subjects that didn't necessarily pertain to a specific time period, and to avoid talking about what was going on in the world politically in the 60s, such as the Vietnam War and the Civil Rights Movement, so that way these songs could be very relevant and relatable in 50 years later in the 21st century in 2018, and not simply be a product of their time that would be become dated and irrelevant once time marches on to the present. And oftentimes people grow out of the music they're into as kids and they discover new music as they get older, and they're definitely not as passionate about the music that they used to be into when they were kids, but that is definitely not the case with me. And it's a little bit more about myself with you guys since you're probably wondering, so Sam, how did you get exposed to all this music at such a young age when you weren't even around when all this music came out? Well, let me just tell you exactly how I got exposed to all of it. And it all started when I was a kid at a very young age at around 9 or 10 years old. My parents had this oldies radio station on the car when I was a kid called Kareth 101. And by the way, this is the biggest oldies radio station growing up in L.A. in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, they played music for the 50s and 60s and 70s as well. And that is where I first heard a lot of these classic songs from the 60s. And that's how I first got exposed to a lot of it. And it's funny because me and my sister used to get into fights as to which station we, we wanted to listen to. We were both in the car together. And she was only a few years older than me, and I'm 22. She wanted to listen to Radio Disney, and I wanted to listen to Kareth 101. Which showed just how much of an old soul I was, even as a little kid, and how out of touch I was with the popular music of when I was a kid. And according to my mom, the first song I heard when I, that I recognized my passion and love for 60s music, and I was very vocal with my parents that I liked the music from that era, when I was around 9 or 10 years old, that song was You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. And since falling in love with that specific song at a very early age, I've always wanted to learn about the behind-the-scenes information about these records because I, at the time, I was completely oblivious and I did not know about the behind-the-scenes people on these records I fell in love with. So I spent years of my youth doing extensive research on these records, and since then, I've literally become a walking encyclopedia of 60s music, and I can tell you who wrote, who produced, who played on just about any big 60s hit, but trust me, there is still quite a lot that I don't know about these records I grew up with, but at the same time, there is quite a lot that I do know about, and you will see that within the course of this podcast. And I've also had the very fortunate opportunity of meeting and talking to a lot of the people that were making music back then, 
And some of these people are really famous, and I will talk about that within the course of each episode of this podcast if the song I'm reviewing each week pertains to somebody I've actually met in real life. And this leads me to you explaining to you guys exactly what's going to happen with this podcast each week. In this podcast, each week you'll be able to get a great blend of my expertise on 60s music because each week I'll review a song from the 60s and first talk about my own personal opinion on the song and why I think it's so good and give you guys a musician's perspective on the song, which may also include analysis of the arrangement, which may include instrumentation, chords, melody, and lyrics, and then share the history behind the group or singer that did it in that song. And this will include writers and producers and session musicians and arrangers and record labels and billboard chart positions, statistics, and all the things that help make the song become a big hit. And I also hope to educate you guys on the music of this era and how the music business worked back then versus today and show you guys how much have changed since 50 years ago and how much hasn't changed and give you guys more of a perspective on that. And you learn quite a lot about 60s music when you listen to this podcast. And also, if you'd like to hear some of my original music, I'll always provide a link to that in the description of each episode of this podcast. Plus a little bit more about me. And if you guys would love to listen to the song I talk about each week on this podcast, I will always provide a YouTube link in the text description of each episode of this podcast to each song I talk about each week. Since doing this podcast, I discovered I technically can't feature any copyright audio within this podcast due to copyright reasons, but I can talk about it and include a YouTube link in the description of each episode of this podcast. So that way, you guys are more than welcome to check out the song and listen to it if you want based off of my review on the song for each episode of this podcast for each week. And one more thing I wanted to mention to you guys about this podcast before we move on with the first song our review for this podcast for the first episode is that I'm not one of those people that thinks that all music in the 60s was super good. Okay, just like every single decade of popular music, the 60s had their fair share of bad songs. And now every song I review in this podcast is going to be a song I'm in love with. There will be some songs I'll review for this podcast that I have a very strong, passionate hate or dislike for. And of course, I will go into as to why I don't like the song in the first half of the podcast. And I will do that to give you guys some perspective and to let you know that there were good and bad songs in all decades of music and not just the 60s. And again, good or bad are also subjective. So just because I don't like it, that doesn't mean that you won't like it as well. But again, that's where your feedback and reviews matter and that's where they're going to come in for this podcast. And I will briefly go into that at the very end of this episode. And moving on now that I've got the formal introduction out of the way, I would like to dive in headfirst into the first song and artist I will be reviewing in today's episode of the podcast. This song has always been a favorite of mine. Every single time I listen to it, I just want to turn it up. And it was such a well-crafted pot song with an incredible production behind it. And I firmly believe that if and when you do listen to it, you'll fall in love with it as well. This song was recorded in late 1965 and it came out in January 66. The name of the artist is The Outsiders. The name of the song is Time Won't Let Me. Ugh, where do I even begin with this record? I mean, you'll hear me say various times in this podcast what I think are literally dictionary definitions of perfect pop records from this era. And this is just one of the songs that needs to be filed under P for perfect and absolutely flawless and C for criminally underrated and just too good for today's mainstream top 40 radio. 
I mean, right from the first couple seconds of the song with Ronnie Harkai's fantastic drum fill, which is very reminiscent of the oh-so-famous Motown signature drum fill, to the slamming bass line provided by the group's bass player, Mert Madsen, and its organ in the song provided by a friend of the band, Gail Gundy, that kicks the song into high gear, and as a British invasion flavors the record, and Al Lawson's fantastic guitar work, and Tom King's guitar work as well. I love that beginning hook. In the song, ding, 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 ding. I love that. So good. And sending Gracie's lead vocals that are really just a magnificent cherry on top on such a great record. But really what makes this record so special to me is that the lyrics really do speak to me because Sonny's talking about how he finally meets the girl of his dreams after waiting and waiting for such a long time. And then he gets frustrated when the girl makes him wait even more and doesn't let him have her. Which really leads to the payoff line in the chorus when he says time just won't let him wait that much longer until he can finally have her. I mean the idea of having to wait for love and being frustrated when it finally comes to you and you still have to wait for it is an idea that many young men today's world will still be able to relate to even though the song is 52 years old. And what's also really bitching about this record are the horns. I mean, the horns are really what made this record stand out at the time, and the horns on this record are provided by none other than session players John Madrid and Hank Gear and Mike Gracie. And by the way, Mike Gracie was related to the lead singer Sonny Gracie. And the horns is what made this record something very unique at the time, because at the time, horns typically weren't featured on pop rock band records, and they were mainly featured on solo male-female or pop vocalist records, and there weren't really any bands that had horns on the tracks at the time. And the song actually predated The Beatles Got to Get You In My Life by at least, by at least a few months. It was recorded in late 65 and then released in January of 66. And the Beatles track was cut in April of 66. So really what this was one of the first rock records to feature horns as a primary instrument for the Buckinghams and the Beatles and around the same time as Bob Cuban and the Inmet. And also, the guitar solo provided by Al Austin just gives this record so much depth within the arrangement along with the killer drum fills and the tension building parts of the song where everything builds and then releases with the payoff line being wait that long, literally crossbreeding genres and music from the 60s such as the British Invasion and Motown and Garage Rock. And now I've got my own personal analysis out of the way for this record. Let's talk about the history behind this band. Because if you're listening to this episode of this podcast and you're around my age, you probably never heard of this band before. And maybe now you're curious to learn more about them after I did my own analysis of their first hit record for you. Okay, so this band originally started out like many late 50s and early 60s groups as an instrumental band called the Starfires. They were first formed in 1958 with Tom King being the leader of the group. Long story short, when the Beatles came to America, they decided to recruit a lead singer named Sonny Gracie, and they started doing vocal pop music since instrumental music, at least for bands, sort of fell on the wayside in the wake of the British invasion. And just a little tidbit about the band, the original drummer for the group, Jimmy Fox, left the group shortly before they recorded their first big hit to form a band called the James Gang, which featured a pre-Eagles Joe Walsh, but that's another story. But anyways... When, when they originally recorded Time Won't Let Me, they were signed to a different label, and Time Won't Let Me was a song that the leader of the band, Tom King, wrote with his brother-in-law, Jack Kelly. And by the way, the band was originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and interestingly enough, they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is currently based at. At least that's where the museum and the museum community is. And since the quality of the record and the song was so good, they managed to score a record deal with Capitol Records after... 
they play the record over the phone to the East Coast Capital Records manager, Roger Kirshnar, and he heard a lot of hit potential in the song, so they changed their name from the Starfires to the Outsiders, possibly because they were deemed outsiders from leaving their original small indie label and going from that to being signed to Capitol Records, the big major label. Each member of the band also made up their own parts and Mert Madsen arranged their backup harmonies and the horns are added on afterwards. And by the way, Capitol Records also owned the masters for the Beach Boys and the Beatles, so the Outsiders were label mates with those bands. But anyways, this song came out in January of 1966 and it climbed in the top 10 in April of 1966 and all of a sudden they became quite the big band that toured with people such as Chad and Jeremy and Paul Rue and the Raiders and Bobby Goldsboro and Len Berry. And by the way, if you don't know who those people are, you will learn more about them in this podcast. But after all was said and done, they had some personnel changes and they were able to score three more top 40 hits, but definitely not as big as Time Won't Let Me. And interestingly enough, their follow-up single, Time Won't Let Me, was the complete polar opposite of it, and it was a tender love ballad about a girl who's set to get married, but her man decides to leave her, and all of a sudden her plans change. That song was called Girl in Love, and while it made the top 20, it's still great that they were able to completely reinvent themselves for their next hit single, instead of rehashing what they had from their first hit single, and coming up with a similar sounding product for the follow-up single from, from their first hit single, which is something a lot of artists and bands did back then. I can think of countless examples of that, but I'll go into that in later episodes of the podcast. Oh, and one more thing. One of their other singles was a song that unfortunately another group recorded and released at the same time as they did with a similar sounding arrangement. Both songs stalled in the top 40, and all of a sudden it was a battle for top 40 radio stations as to which version they should play. And the other version that was out at the same time as they were, their version was uh, Eric Burns' version. And the name of that song was called Help Me Girl, and it was written by Scott English and Larry Weiss. One of them later went on to write Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell, but that's another story. And their other top 40 hit was a cover of an Isley Brothers song called Respectable, and another 60s garage rock group, also from Ohio, called The Human Beans, will later go on to have a huge hit with a cover of an Isley Brothers song. But that's another story for another podcast. And also, they were the first group to record a song that would become a very big hit for a Chicago-based band in early 1968 called American Breed. And the name of the song was called Bend Me, Shape Me, written by the same people that wrote Help Me, Girl. And also, after the group broke up, Sonny Gracie formed another version of the group called Climax, and they had a big hit in 1971-72 with a song called Precious and Feel. Alright, so I think I'm done talking about the band and the group and the song that I'm reviewing for this episode of the podcast. And for those of you who are listening, you are free to check out the song I talked about in this episode of the podcast. I have provided a YouTube link of the song in the description of this episode of the podcast, and please... Do shoot me an email if you decide to listen to the song, because I did provide a YouTube link in the description of this episode of the podcast with the song I talked about this week. And by the way, the name of the song is called Time Won't Let Me. It was by a group called The Outsiders. And if you find my analysis of the song and history behind the band and the song interesting, uh, please email me at sam at hickeywilliams.com. And again, that's sam at hickeywilliams.com. And also, if you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram handle is iHeartOldies. And if you guys want to hear more of my original music, the name of my website is samwilliamsmusic.net. And again, that's samwilliamsmusic.net. And please do not hesitate to subscribe to this podcast and leave me a review 
in the review section of this podcast. Your feedback of this podcast I'm doing will help me out tremendously. And one more thing I want to mention to you is that I will be interviewing people on the show from time to time who are making music back then and were huge in the 60s. But for now, just be me and I'll let all of you know in future episodes way far in advance when I will have a special guest on for the show. But for now, it'll just be me talking about the music I love and sharing my knowledge and my opinion on it. So that concludes the first episode of this podcast. I'll be putting these episodes out weekly, so keep an eye out for them. And until next time, I'm Sam Williams, and I'm bringing the heat and the beat of the music from the 60s back into today's world in 2018. And thanks for joining me for this episode, and thanks for tuning in and listening. And stay tuned for more episodes and more to come from this podcast. And until next week, please keep things good.